welcome to this Warriors Live Podcast 2020 uh, special post Stephen Kearney sacking edition on a Sunday afternoon for you. Um, and Brad's still in shock, so he's not joining us today, but we've got a special guest, Michael Burgess, uh, the lead writer from New Zealand, lead lead league writer from New Zealand Herald for the best part of a decade, and um, yeah, covered the entire Stephen Kearney reign at the Warriors, would have been to hundreds of press conferences and and that sort of thing during uh, Stephen's time at the Warriors, and, and obviously a long relationship um, from his time with the Kiwis as well, so someone that you, you that Michael knows very well. Um, First of all, mate, Michael, thanks for joining us. And what, what are your first impressions of, of what went down yesterday? Well, it's still quite stunning, isn't it, Will? I mean, even just hearing you say the post-Stephen Kearney stacking episode um, makes it sink in because it's still been... It's still very fresh, everything that's happened, and, and quite unbelievable to a lot of people. Um, he was under pressure. He was certainly under pressure this season. And the owner, Mark Robinson, made that very clear. He made it clear to a few people. He told me back in uh, October that, you know, Stephen has got to prove himself this year. He's got, to, he's got to get results. He's got to make the top eight. Otherwise, Robinson's words were, otherwise we'll be having a sit-down, yeah. <laughs> was his words. Um, but it happened so quickly with um, uh, you know, six, in round six it is certainly not something that I think most people were expecting. And the, the overwhelming sort of reaction has been uh, sort of shock at the timing of it, particularly given what the club is, is going through or the team is going through being stationed in Australia. Um, you know, to to throw uh, this on them at the moment just seems almost bizarre. It does to a degree, yeah. Without knowing the, the inner workings behind the decision process, it does seem kind of bizarre Look, it seems like the sort of thing you'd normally see in the English Premier League, you know, yeah. where, where where coaches just get fired here, there and everywhere uh, on a whim, and, and it just happens very, very rapidly. Happens less so in Australasian sports, so we're not used to it. So this is this is quite rare for us. And the players, the players will be in shock. I mean, a lot of them were pretty close to Kearney, others less so, which is normal because they're not getting selected or because of this or because of that. Um, but he's a... He's been a pretty likeable coach. There's been some frustrations there, but he's a pretty likeable coach. He's not like maybe some other coaches in the NRL, present or past, who you know can be quite hard to get on from a player's point of view. So yeah, they'll be in shock. Um, but I, I, it probably helps um, having Todd Payton take over because he's someone they know compared to okay, they'd said Stephen's gone, and we're going to bring in this guy who's starting next Friday, that would be that would be even more of a shock. Uh, for the squad, and as, it, as we've talked about, the he was under pressure and the results haven't been there. Um, I was actually concerned that, that he might get a, or people at the club might get a sort of undeserved free pass for 2021 just because of the situation the club is in, in Australia. Um, the thing that amazes me is that, you know, given they've been away for seven weeks today, I think it is, um, Difficult situation. A lot of the, the guys might be struggling. The Trans Tasman bubble doesn't look like it's going to open before the end of the season. Stephen is, you know, I'm assuming he is a bit of a father figure type to a lot of these players, particularly the younger ones and and players he's had a long association with in the Kiwis and that sort of thing. You know, to to take away such a reliable, constant a support for those players um, could be quite unsettling. Yeah, that's an excellent point, actually, mate. I mean, 
especially the you know, those sort of long-term fans that really know their stuff. They've seen this happen before. You know, they've seen this happen. Matthew Elliott, I think it was round six as well, although, of course, that was a normal season. But Elliott was round six or round five. They've seen uh, Captain McFadden get sacked. They've seen Brian McLennan get sacked. Tony Kemp, um, you know, so they've seen it happen before. But the question I'll be asking is, is why now? Yeah. And I guess that's what you're saying as well. Why now? You know, maybe they maybe they knew that he was going to go, but but why now compared to a couple of months to try and get through, as you say, this this weird, super challenging time in Australia um, to get rid of yeah the father figure in a way because um, as Cameron George has mentioned, since this has all gone on, he's mentioned how much Stephen has had to do for the players off the field. Um, just getting them through this period, yeah. getting them to Australia, being their sort of uh, their support network in a way. Um, so to take that away is a really a really big call. Uh, they must have their reasons, uh, and they must think that that it's going to provide some kind of uh, performance boost. That that is surely uh, all you all you can think. Um, and. Cameron George has always just unequivocally backed uh, Kearney in, in every situation since he's been at the club as CEO. Um, but, you know, from your view, do you think it's, it basically comes down to a, a Mark Robinson decision? Well, yeah, you'd have to. I mean, this is certainly. It's a bit like in the past when Eric Watson was in charge. Um, whether it was things around coaching or players, um, Eric Watson liked to stay in the background. But if he if he decided that uh, he didn't want someone at the club or someone to come back to the club, um, then that was that was the way it worked. For example, you know there was a bit of a push for the Warriors uh, when they decided to get let Andrew McFadden go. There was a bit of a push in some quarters. Shall we get Ivan Cleary back? Ivan Cleary was keen, yeah. but Eric Watson certainly wasn't keen. Um, so that's an example of how these things can work. So, yeah, with Cameron George, I mean, he, he's the CEO, but, but he will take direction from the owners, uh, and the owners have their view. Maybe Cameron George as well, maybe his his um, opinion of Stephen was wavering towards the end of last year, because what we can't forget, Will, what we can't forget, although it's easy to forget because it was pretty pretty dreadful, was, was last season. Yeah. And that's probably more of a factor... Than, than what's happened this season. This season, you know, since the started post lockdown, it's actually been okay. They've had a couple of wins that a lot of people didn't expect, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But last season w- was pretty dire for a lot of reasons, given what we saw in 2018. So, last season was you know, there were definitely some alarm bells last season, and um, yeah, I guess that has, has carried over. And, and Stephen Kearney was definitely on notice, uh, but the <laughs> Yeah, well, after the first two rounds, which I think was probably about as demoralising as, as I can remember seeing the Warriors play, but um, as you said, they've, they, they've been going all right since the uh, since the restart. A couple of decent wins, um, bad loss against Penrith, and then maybe a bit unlucky against South. There were a few positive signs, but some, you know, some of those younger players are coming on a bit. They're, they look like they're trying uh, a few more things on attack. It just seemed... Um, you know, maybe this decision had been made some time ago, and they're just waiting for a, you know, big scoreline against them to, to uh, drop the hammer. Yeah, 
that's a good theory actually because otherwise it just seems it seems inconceivable that it would just be something they decide after after a game like that because mm. um, there were some positive signs I mean this this they had this lucky in a way lucky chance to reset you know if the season had to just keep going without COVID then um, I don't know if Stephen Kearney would still be there by now anyway because yeah. they would have played what 11 games and the way they were tracking you're completely right after those first two rounds was not good at all but they had the chance to reset I think that worked in their favour in a funny sort of way uh, they had those two wins you mentioned so uh, I, I, yeah, I wonder where it has come from because there were a few positive signs here and there like some of those young forwards they're going particularly well uh, they are playing with a bit more freedom and at least they it seems like they know they know where they're going in terms of development plus a little bit of recruitment of course for next year as well so there were some signs but obviously obviously not enough yeah. and that's what it comes down to um, not enough and the owners have been extremely decisive yeah um, and you you mentioned that um, that a lot of the players are close to Stephen and um, a lot of these younger players have, have not played first grade under anyone else I just think the way that it's happened and, and you know, it seems a bit cold and harsh the way it has happened under the circumstances that they could sort of breed a bit of discontent in the squad and a bit of it make a bit of a divide between the playing group and the management and owners? Yeah, I guess there's always that fear. I mean, you know, we all forget, but, but, but the players are only human. Uh, so they will not be impressed with how another member of their fraternity has been treated even though you know, Stephen Kearney was, was at the top of the tree but yeah they they will not be impressed in that way and they'll feel for him just as a, as a human being as a, as, a, as a decent bloke who's treated them pretty well um, but but the players as well they'll, you'd like to think they'll just after a couple of days of shock they'll they'll realise they'll, they'll get on with the job uh, it does help they've still got Todd Payton there Stacey Jones Tony Edo so they've got familiar voices and they'll have to focus on keeping going because I know there's already talk about some of them want to come home etc but if you come home uh, there's no more wages and I don't know what the contract implications are as well if you come home just because you're you're dissatisfied the fact that the coach has been sacked I mean it is part of professional sport but yeah. it might linger I mean it's the same thing as you well remember when with the Sean Johnson scenario there was a lot of discontent among the playing group for, for a decent period about how Sean was treated and that carried over uh, for a while and, and probably didn't reflect too well on some of the management staff that were involved in that so yeah, you've got to be you've got to be really careful in these situations and obviously there's um, yeah it's a tough position for Todd Payton to to come into but it's a chance for him he's a highly highly rated assistant from his Stints, particularly at the Cowboys. Um, I think he's had time at the, the Tigers too before that. Um, what's what's your take on on Todd Payton from what you've uh, seen in and around the club uh, since he's been there? Pretty positive. Um, I've always enjoyed talking with him, and certainly I remember last season they put him up uh, for media about I think four or five times. As they do with the assistant coaches, they tended to rotate them between Tony Edo, Stacey Jones and, and him. When Stephen was having a break, a break, he was always good to talk to, express himself pretty well. Um, but you do find that with assistant coaches because they're under less pressure. But 
yeah, he comes across well, and he certainly regarded well for his work at the Cowboys. The only thing you would say is, well, he's come here to look after the attack since last season, and the Warriors' attack you know, hasn't hasn't gone particularly well. Yeah. Uh, but then you look at, well, what is he working with and who, who makes those final decisions? But certainly he's seen as a as a guy on the rise, and you never know. Maybe uh, inside the club they've seen enough to think that, hey, this guy could really be something. Um, I'm, I'm completely just theorising here, but this guy could really be something. Let's give him a chance, see what he can do, and uh, he, he could really you know, take his place. If he doesn't, then we can continue with our search for a permanent replacement uh, for Stephen Kearney. But that obviously decided that Stephen Kearney wasn't uh, the man for the long-term future, which is a real shame considering <laughs> they yeah. re-signed to that new extended deal, what was it, um, um, last February, I think. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. not great for the club's uh, balance sheet, I'd imagine. No. Um, and, yeah, obviously, if, if Todd Payton was given the um, the full-time job now, fans would struggle to get excited about that. But, you know, seven, eight or nine wins um, before the end of the season, cusp of the finals and bit of an improvement in their style of play and, and I guess losing games in a less uh, disastrous fashion might sort of uh, turn opinion around and he could actually could if he you know shows that he uh, has a bit of potential and can take this team places it, it might be sort of his job to lose well yeah I mean um, the thing with the NRL it's not like rugby or football where there's a gazillion coaches out there that you can pick and they'll probably do a good job it's a, it's, it's a very limited pool of of coaches and, and if you you know you hear the names being touted around already about who could replace Stephen Kearney not too many of them fill you with a massive amount of excitement that's um, exactly right at all and that's why we ended up with a crazy scenario not that long ago mate where Matthew Elliott got the job and yeah. he, he, there'd been there'd been ten other guys touted he ends up with a job through the back door because he interviewed really well and and he's a he's a nice bloke, but that was a complete disaster. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's it's certainly a chance for Todd Payton, and um, it's he's someone they they already know, and he's got a bit of a he's got a bit of an addition now, and I I just hope the fans will be patient um, because you, it'll be interesting to see. He may have some different theories on selection. He may make some changes. You might see. Chanel, Chanel back in the halves. Who knows? I mean, he hasn't got too much to work with, and he may make some little changes that that he's been thinking about for a while. If the team starts performing better, then that'll give the owners and, and Cameron George some food for thought, and that's really what they need. They need some options. They need to be able to get to a few months and say, okay, we've either got Todd or we've got this guy, or we've got this guy. So, but boy, boy, it's a it's a hell of a job. I tell you. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, certainly. Uh... <laughs> A poison chalice as far as uh, you know, our coaching goes. Um, as you say, it's pretty slim pickings out there. Some of the names that have been thrown around, uh, Sean Wayne, the uh, ex-Wigan coach, um, Anthony Griffin, Jeff Tuvey and Nathan Brown uh, among coaches that have had a bit of NRL experience. Um, all of them effectively sacked from their last jobs, which doesn't sort of inspire a hell of a lot of confidence. Um, and guys that are, have sort of been waiting for an opportunity for a while like Todd Payton has. Um, the Walker brothers have been, been uh, kind of a, a trendy um, 
trendy option for a couple of years now. Um, Craig Fitzgibbon, the the Roosters assistant. Um, but yeah, it's it's there's no obvious standout, it's, and none of the um, NRL coaches that would, um, you know, that the Warriors would want uh, that are currently coaching clubs are going to leave their current club uh, club for the Warriors. Um, so yeah, it's a tough position for the Warriors to be in. I also saw uh, Shane Flanagan, his name thrown around. Um, but yeah, nothing that really jumps out at you. No, I mean, I mean, Sean Wayne, he's a he's an interesting guy. He, you know, of course, done really, really well with with Wigan. That sort of thing's always hard to judge because you know Wigan do have a lot of advantages. Although it's, it's still a competitive league up there, and he's competing with a few clubs, so he he. He certainly got the dressing room experience, but that would be a big call. His first NRL job being being the Warriors. Um, Anthony Griffith has, has at least got an NRL track record, but mixed reports about him from from both the Broncos and and Penrith. Flanagan is a funny one, isn't he? Because you you think Flanagan, you think okay, we're going to have integrity issues straight away because yeah. given his past, and is that really what the Warriors want? But he did win a premiership with the Sharks, which is not. Well, no one's done it before, obviously. But what I mean to say is that um, it's one of those clubs where it's 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 pretty hard. It's like being at the Tigers or somewhere. You got less resources, less money, less everything. So he did he did do well there. So you know, but is he the, is he the guy to get the right to get the most out of the kind of players we have? That Polynesian, that Maori mix. Is he is he the guy who can relate to New Zealand culture? All those things that made Ivan Cleary. Um, so good in the role with his strength. It would be great, from my opinion, but I always bang on about this. It'd be great if they could unearth some some rising star coaching star in Australia, like Cleary was, or like Daniel Anderson was, or maybe there's someone in England that's really, really talented. Um, I'd certainly prefer that, I think, than than um, than, a, than a Jeff Tuvey or something like that, where you think, okay. He's, he's done something, but is he really? Or Nathan Brown? I mean, Nathan Brown has coached 250 NRL games, and um, to me, there's still question marks over him. You know, so, yeah. Yeah. so it's, a, it's a. I don't know. I've, I've been through a few of these Warriors coaching group <laughs> scenarios, well, and um, they never ever get any easier because you think, you know, maybe Craig Bellamy's feeling really terrible. He's like, actually, <laughs> I want to help the game. I want to help the game. I want to go to New Zealand and help those help those guys out, but. But unless it's him or, or someone of his, or you know, Trent Robinson. But even if those two guys came here, um, it, it's still, it's still be, it would still be tough. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, from that list, Sean Wayne sort of uh, seems to be one of the few guys, maybe Flanagan, that that's sort of a, a dominant personality um, that we maybe haven't had in the coach's seat since Daniel Anderson, even. No. We had a lot of success with Ivan Cleary, but he was slightly more reserved and that sort of thing. Um, you know, that I guess get the fans excited, and obviously that is not the most important thing when you're hiring a coach. But to have you know a, a big personality as coach that that you feel like is going to get things done. Mm, mm. Oh, definitely. I think it's a it's an element they've got to look at because it's a. Um it's a job that's challenging on so many facets. This job, you know, it really is. It, it's it's quite unique, I think. Uh, coaching a team in a competition where it still feels like a lot of <laughs> that, that a lot of the people involved in the competition, you 
you know, and the other clubs don't really want you to do that well, you know, it's like, oh, those bloody, those bloody Kiwis. Yeah. So, um, it, it's quite a unique challenge, and yeah, he, he, both those guys would be quite dominant, a bit outspoken, um, probably a bit like Mark Rudan when he came to the Phoenix and he started shaking things up and, and being quite outspoken and saying all sorts of things and sort of whining at the Aussies, and that was quite good for a period, um, but I think underneath it all, it's got to be the the man management skills, the coaching skills uh, are, the, are the two most important things, you know, the strategies, the game plans, just the, the wherewithal to to know how to get it done. And then the third thing would be if you've got the ability to attract players, but I think that's less important because I think if your results start to happen, then, then players will come, and that's what we saw with with Ivan Cleary that they did start to come after the results happened and Anderson to a lesser extent so yeah I, I really hope or we all hope that they make um, they make the right decision here and don't just push the button on a on a Nathan Brown or something who, who just seems uh, it's hard to see how Nathan Brown would be any better yeah. than, than Stephen Kearney and it's obviously an, an incredibly important um, hire for the Warriors to make. Um, how much pressure is on, is on Cameron George here to, you know, come up with the goods, make the right call, get the right coach over here? Um, it's been, you know, after the charmed run he had um, at the helm in 2018 when everything went so well for the club and results wise and off the field. Um, it's been a pretty tough year and a half for him in the in the hot seat. Um, you know, do you, do you feel like the the next coaching call doesn't go particularly well. That that's uh, it's sort of Cameron George's head on the block a little bit. Well, he must be. Yeah, he must be starting to feel the pressure. As you say he had a great run at the start, um, <coughs> but then the whole Sean Johnson um, fiasco, if that's what you yeah. want to call it, that's certainly what I call it, because um, there wasn't. I mean, this has been discussed plenty of times, but it wasn't just the fact that, that he left, it was the way it was done and, and the, the, the hole it left the club in, uh, which they've actually never really recovered from. If you, if you, if you analyse it, people say, oh, you stop talking about Sean Johnson, but actually they've never quite recovered from, from, from him leaving and Simon Mannering's retirement, I yeah. guess, as well, you'd say, from the 18 team. To Cameron, yeah, he's had some tricky decisions to make since then. He's also had some crazy scenarios with, with all the different ownership struggles, uh, situations he had to go through from Richard Farley trying to buy the club and then the ARL, Carlo Heritage do get the club with the joint and then that dissolves. And so I feel for him in a way, he's finally, but he's finally got the owners that I think he would have wanted because they're very, um, they back him and they make decisions quickly, <laughs> as we've seen. Um and they're providing the resources. So he's got no excuse, and it's really going to be up to him uh, to... What he's got to do is not do what they did in 2012 and sort of get sucked in by okay. an interview and a PowerPoint presentation um, <laughs> and really, really do their due diligence, you know, uh, because if they'd called some people to Elliot at the time and just got some feedback from ex-players or whatever... I remember a Warriors player at the Christmas function in 2012, and he was telling me that he couldn't believe it that Elliot had got the job, and he said, you know, mate, they could have called so many players, ex-players who would have told them, don't go near that guy. You know? So, um, yeah, 
doesn't really really study the candidates, do his due, due diligence, yeah. and and be prepared to make a call that that is for the long term. Because I feel like um, if you just pick someone like a Jeff Toovey, you know, I don't know what you think, Will, but it feels that'd be more like oh, he might be a guy that can get something done in the short term. But you know, it'd be really hard for Toovey as well to come over here and try and. I don't, I don't know if the style would suit the yeah, players. I've that, that... been quite uh, sort of pro-TV as, as a potential eventual replacement um, at the Warriors for quite okay. a while, and I've kind okay. of gone a bit cold on him. Um, he's you know, been out of the game for the NRL coaching game for five years now. Um, see him on 360, likeable guy, passionate. As you say, could probably get something done in the short term and inspire something, but whether he's... You know, we need like a Bellamy type, um, <laughs> you know, someone that is is yeah. going to be in charge yeah. of the club, that's going to run the club, like Graham Lowe used to be when at, when he was at his peak, that sort of thing. Uh, someone that that uh, you know has a lot of influence, and um, yeah, something that that's probably an area where Stephen Kearney uh, wasn't uh, quite what we needed because it seemed like he was overruled a bit on on some stuff. Obviously the the Sean Johnson thing, we kind of feel like uh, he, he was on the other side of the fence to um, to management. Um, yeah, so someone that's that's a bit of an authoritarian figure, I, I think. That's how I feel about it anyway. Mm-hmm. So you think Jeff Turvey was, was kind of underrated for what he did at Manly? Um, I think, yeah, I think so. Like, he took them to a grand final and that sort of thing, but... Um, yeah, again, he inherited a, a, a very strong roster and they eventually went downhill under under him. So, um, yeah, after five years out of the coaching game, maybe he's, he's probably not quite what they're looking for at the moment. Um, you know, you never know uh, how, how uh, closely they're keeping up with all the, the latest trends and, and that sort of thing in the game. So, yeah, uh, I've probably gone a bit cold on, on uh, Tovey as a potential replacement. But, um, yeah, I guess we'll see how it unfolds and the contenders will no doubt get thrown up and we'll find out who's in the mix and go from there. Um, but I just want to lastly ask you, Michael, what, how do you feel, uh, what's the legacy that Stephen Kearney's left at the club? Obviously one of the best seasons in their history in 2018, but bookended by two incredibly disappointing seasons and now punted after six rounds of his fourth year in charge. Just the third... Um, coach to get to a full season at the Warriors, but ultimately a, a disappointing stint for Stephen. Yeah, very good stat. Will, as I'd expect from you, um, mm. very good stat. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, look, the first thing you start with, he made the finals, right? And um, and certainly there was something that McClendon couldn't do. Um, Elliot you know, didn't do, or he had that, had that great, what was the 10-match streak in the middle of that 13th season but apart from that fell away and da 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 McFadden was a bit unlucky and I still maintain that Sean Johnson hadn't broke his ankle in 215 they probably would have made it 215 but McFadden ultimately couldn't do it so Kearney did something that hasn't been done for a long time so he'll always deserve credit for that um, and from my observation just from going to training and dealing with players and everything else it's certainly become a more professional environment I think training wise it's become more professional, he has raised standards in that way um, and I think they're starting, they're starting to see the fruits in terms 
terms of some of the young players coming through and the level they're at when they come through. So, um, in those ways, he, he deserves a lot of credit. But on the other hand, um, I guess what you would say in a negative sense is that he's never quite found a, a style or a game plan that suits the players he has had. He's been quite, he's been quite fixated on a, for want of a better term, on a, on a sort of storm style game plan for a long time. Yeah. Uh, because that was his background that didn't really suit um, the players he had. Um, I guess he's always also been a bit guilty of uh, being unsure with his, not as sure as he could be with his selections. Uh, his recruitment has been a bit. Off the times, you never know what's going on in that in terms of who they can get. But the scenario when they had, they already had Solomon Akato at the club, and then they brought Jurabil and Pedro at the same time, and uh, Anthony Gallagher. You thought, well, wait a minute, why are they buying all these centres? Just, just get a prop, please. Just get a prop. Yeah. Just get a prop. Um, so that some of the judgment, I think, was recruitment. And then the other one, which people will point to, and you have to say, is. is um, uh, how many players have really improved in the period when he's been there? Uh, and that list isn't actually that long uh, compared to maybe, say, some of the improvement we saw in some of the players under, under Sandy McFadden. Yeah. Uh, you know, someone like David Pussitura is often quoted and he, and he seems like he's you know, gone backwards in the last little while. So, um, yeah, certainly I still remember the day when Stephen Kearney was unveiled and there was so much hope in the air um, and it's he's been given aside from this all being a shock well he has been given a fair crack I guess even yeah, he, yeah. when he gets over this when he gets over this he's been treated pretty badly this weekend I think we all admit that um, but when he gets over this he's been given he's been given a fair crack especially uh, with 2017 and 2019 it's been so disappointing um, so yeah, on balance, where does he where does he fit? He probably fits um, in that midland group below Cleary and Anderson, um, with a with a special mention because he he made the playoffs. I mean, where where do you see where do you see him? Yeah, probably about the same. Obviously, you know, there, was, there wasn't that sort of level of consistency or season on season performance that we saw in the Anderson and Cleary eras. Um, yeah, in a way, I still would rate McFadden ahead of him because, I, as you talked about, you know, he could have so easily made the finals three years in a row, Andrew McFadden, where we've had two very ordinary seasons um, out of three under Kearney. Um, but, yeah, ultimately, you know, disappointing. I think everyone uh, would have liked it to have worked out for Kearney, for him to be the coach that did, you know, take us back to the promised land given he's a you know original 95 warrior um kiwis legend legendary kiwis coach and just such a hell of a nice guy um mm. but yeah it wasn't to be and and potentially he's just uh, a better assistant coach because he's obviously been part of some very successful teams in that role well that's the other thing we've, we've forgotten to mention is that this is actually a very sad weekend for new zealand rugby league uh, because it means that we're still waiting for a, uh, a successful, you know, New Zealand NRL coach yet again. Yeah. Uh, we hope that Brian McLennan 
might be able to do it. That didn't work out. There were some other reasons. He certainly didn't have any team or resources around him, and I still maintain he was little bit unlucky in some ways. And then we, uh, you know, we had hoped for um, for David Kidwell in terms of the Kiwis job, and uh, you're certainly right. The whole league community really wanted Kearney uh, to do well for all the reasons you listed. Um, and he's had a couple of chances now. It's hard to see where he might get another head coach. It may be a head coach in England, I guess. I think he's still really well regarded there, so maybe it could be an opportunity in England for him. But, you know, New Zealand Rugby League really needs um, some coaches, and it'd be such a boost to somehow have a Kiwi uh, coaching in the NRL. But um, that, again, you know, maybe Stacey Jones might wonder. I don't know, but it, again, seems... Yeah, it's a good point you make. It's, it is a bit disheartening. We're still waiting. You know, really, the only successful New Zealand uh, coach has been Graham Lowe, but way back in the the nineties with um, with Manly. So um, yeah, hopefully someone can can come through one day. But um, it's, uh, yeah, it doesn't look like it's going to be Stephen Kearney. That's for sure. Um, it's. Thanks, Michael, for your time, mate. I'm on a Sunday afternoon having a, a chat with us, and I'm sure um, this Warriors Life uh, listeners will have uh, got a lot out of your insights and um, everything that from your experience um, in and around the club over the last uh, decade or so. Um, so thanks very much, and um, hopefully we'll catch up with you again soon. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Will. Um, I really enjoyed it, and um, I hope, uh, hope Brad's going to be okay. I'm a bit concerned about him when you said he was so distraught, so I hope he'll be okay and he can um, he can join you again next week. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, sure, been, uh, I'm sure he'll bounce back. He'll, we'll be back on uh, Wednesday <laughs> with our regular <laughs> slot and he'll be all uh, raring to go, I'm sure. <laughs> he sounds like a pretty resilient chap, but no, <laughs> it's, uh, it's been great to chat. And, and uh, yeah, look, I think we all just hope that um, the Warriors can uh, salvage something from this season. Right now, it's right now you'd ask what are they going to salvage, but yeah, you hope they can salvage something, and we can all start feeling good about um, about the team and, and, and certainly about next year. So you know, who knows? Just, we could look back on this as a, as a turning point one day and say, oh, well, actually, it was 